Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Ayers on the Road. We're Richard Ayer and Linda Ayer and we're glad to be with you today. Um, we are in the midst of a series of called The Myths of Marriaging. Because, and as we've talked about before, and if you haven't heard the, the, the two we've already done, let us, I mean, just take a look at it on radio. Yeah, this is, we're excited about this. And just to be a little bit personal for a while, some of you listeners know that we are approaching very rapidly our 50th wedding anniversary. And uh, I think after 50 years, we finally feel qualified to talk a little more about marriage. It's taken us that long to figure it out. Well, we've made a lot of mistakes through the years and uh, we've learned from our mistakes. And I think that we do go with a lot of things that people say, this is the way it should be, or this is the way it should feel. And it isn't necessarily true. I mean, there are just some myths surrounding marriage and it's fun to talk about, but it's also fun to talk about the truth. Yeah. So we're the bottom line is, I think what we're saying, honey, is we're taking almost a contrarian approach to marriage. We're saying, hey, you know, rather than give a lot of marriage advice, why don't we start out by getting rid of all the bad advice that a lot of us have piled up in our minds and a lot of the things we think are true about marriage that actually are not true. For example, the first myth that we talked about a couple of weeks ago is is the clone myth, we call it, which is basically that marriages get better when you get more and more alike and the fewer disagreements you have the better your marriage is and the more you become exactly like each other the more wonderful and lasting your marriage will be and it's just a myth and and we want to explode that kind of myths and talk about the reality of what real marriages are well, we're not saying the more you argue, the better your marriage is either. I mean, right. you know. Although, the, the truths aren't exactly the opposite of the exactly. myths. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, it's really been fun to think through this ourselves and then get it written down and then really share it with people. And they go, oh, yeah, that's right. You know? you got to get rid of the myth before you can really understand the truth. And then the second one we talked about last week is called the achievement myth and that's the one where people kind of think hey it's achievements that really take the work and it's your career and your your work that has to take your main focus and and relationships are secondary to those things and of course that's a myth relationships are always the number one thing the key goal and then today we're going to go on to maybe in some ways linda my favorite myth the independence myth the idea that you've got to hold on to your independence and never give it up and even though you're married still continue to be an independent soul who doesn't ever become interdependent with the other person and that's a bad bad myth well we we have to be careful when we say this though honey because you are still who you are you are an independent person and you're very different from your spouse i mean right right more so in some cases than others and that's the strength of a good marriage that's the strength of a good marriage and so you still have your own life you still have your own things that you love and you still all that still is intact but but the idea that you are inter- interdependent with someone else is is really powerful and 
we didn't get that at first. We were kind of doing our own thing. We were just kids. Well, we were both so strong-willed. I mean, we just felt like, I'm not going to let anything ever undermine my own independence. And, you know, we live in a culture and in a in a country, for goodness sake, where we, we do the, pre, the Pledge of Allegiance to, to the independence. It's a word we almost worship. And then we often contrast it with a really negative word, codependence, which basically means you, you can't get along on your own. You're, you're dependent on someone else. You need, you need them to even function. And, and that's a negative, sort of a bad word. And so we're not suggesting that you trade your independence for codependence, but we are suggesting you trade your independence for interdependence, which is this beautiful word which involves synergy. The, the two of us together are greater than the sum of our parts. Well, and I think that every marriage is different depending on partly on how old you are when you're married, when you get married. I mean, there are so many um, young couples, and we were really young when we got married, that we're, we're a little more malleable because we haven't had our independence for a while. We have children who are married older, and it's just really hard the older you are to then give up your independence because you've had it for so many years. Um, and we have kids that were married at 30 and uh, a daughter-in-law at 35, I think, and it really is really a lot harder to give up your independence when you have had your 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 independence for so long. So let's get really, really specific here. Let me read you the exact words of what we think is the myth, the independence myth. Here it is. It is best for each spouse to maintain his or her own independence and form a self-reliant two-way partnership. Now see, like all the myths, that sounds pretty good, but let us suggest that there is a deeper, greater truth, which, which reads like this. Independence is overrated and can often be lonely, and it gets more so the longer we live. Interdependence, on the other hand, is the acknowledgement of this simple, vulnerable truth, and it is a joy to willingly, enthusiastically trade your independence for interdependence. Ultimately, a three-way partnership that recognizes dependence on God is the strongest of all. So in other words, yes, it's good to be an independent person. It's good to be financially independent. It's good to have independent opinions and so on. But when we get to marriage and frankly to faith, we're talking about some higher laws where interdependence with a partner who you've made a commitment to for life or for time and all eternity is a higher and better thing than independence and at the same time acknowledging our dependence on God on a higher power and our need for help from him and from the divine those are not weaknesses those are strengths those are stronger paradigms than being independent and I, we really, we really believe that, but it's taken, it took us a few years to figure that out, I think, because, you know, when we were first talking about getting married, I had plans to go to Europe and see the world before I got married and, um, you know, figure out who I really was because I was so excited about having a life outside of the university. We were at the university when we met. 
and uh, to kind of work that out. Well, that just didn't work out for us. I mean, for a lot of people, it has worked out, and it works. But, but for us, we joined together and actually got in a little car and drove across the country four <laughs> days after we got married to Boston, oh, that where was you some were going honeymoon. to school. That was crazy. <laughs> we actually got in your big car. This was a funny thing. Linda had, I think you had the most enormous car ever built. It was a Ford, Ford Galaxy. Fairly. Galaxy, yeah. And it was huge. And I had a tiny little Porsche, and we tied it on. We, we had a tow bar, and we hooked it on behind. We put all we... of our wedding gifts <laughs> in that little Porsche and uh, towed it across the country. We had no money. We it was hilarious. We were eating McDonald's. That was really gross, but we were eating McDonald's all the way across. And it took me halfway across the country to let you know that I could eat my own hamburger. You wanted an independent burger. Yeah. <laughs> I was not going to share with you anymore. But and actually, we camped out at a park once. It was hilarious. Just, we had sleeping bags and a little mat, and we just camped out in the grass, and the sprinklers came on at 5 in the morning. We were soaked. I mean, <laughs> so I think what you're actually reminding us both of, honey, is that it was that four-day journey. That was more than a journey from Utah to Boston. That was, a, that was our symbolically our journey from independence to interdependence. Yeah, that is exactly right. And, and there we, were some bumps along the way, <laughs> quite a few. Um, because we are both so strong-willed. Now we have, um, this is going to be so interesting as we see, I mean we've seen our children find their spouses and which we're delighted about every one of them, but now we're seeing grandchildren find spouses and they're, they're so different. Um, our first grandchild is married, they are uh, fireworks, you know, fireworks together. Yeah. And then the next one that we don't know what's going to happen, but they are so mellow and so um, much alike in so many ways that I think they're going to have an easier time than we did. Well, and I think, you know, don't you think, Linda, it really comes back to the difference between truth and myth in this case, kind of comes back to the strength of the commitment. Because if, you're, if your marriage commitment is conditional, then it's almost incumbent on you to always say, hey, I'm married to you, but I could get along without you. You know, I'm, I'm still independent. I'm still, I can handle myself. I don't really need you that much. I can still be on my own. And um, instead, what we've got to do is be sure that we understand that there's a higher law and that we can, that, you know, we need to find a commitment that is so strong that we say, it's an ultimate commitment, and the commitment is to be interdependent with you and to find the synergy that allows the combination of the two of us to be much more than the sum of our individual parts. And so let me, let me just, let's just take a minute and read some of the sub-myths that go with this because they'll kind of flesh this in. And our mission here is to try to convert you to the fact that Independence is a myth, and interdependence is the ultimate truth in a marriage. So, sub-myth number one. The key to a good marriage is for both partners to go 50% and meet in the middle. Boy, that's a dangerous one, isn't that's it? That's scary. When you're always saying, hey, I'll meet you halfway, I'll meet you halfway. Well, the truth is, you may sometimes have to go 90% to meet your spouse's 10%, and your partner may have to go 90% to meet you at other times. 
You wow. gotta be willing to go 100%. It's so true. We have one couple now, one of our kids and our darling daughter-in-law, a son who is creating a new business. He's an entrepreneur, it's a startup. It takes so much time and he's traveling all over the world and that sweet mother is taking care of those kids you know, I don't know if it's 90% of the time, but a lot of the time because he has gone so much. But they've agreed on that. They've talked about it. This is what they're going to do. And then, of course, when he comes back, he takes up the slack, sends her away, and, and takes, um, takes the kids for a while. But there are times in your life when it's just going to be really hard. It's just not a 50-50. Well, and the, yeah, there are times when you're emotionally weakened for some reason or, yes. or there's a, a difficult time in your life and all you can muster is maybe five or ten percent and that's where there's wonderful interdependence where the other person makes it up and goes a little further. So let me read a, a second sub-myth. Um, all of these again go into this big myth of independence which really gets a lot of marriages in trouble. So the sub-myth is that freedom and responsibility are opposites. That's kind of an ingrained feeling in a lot of people that if I, if I, if I take on too much responsibility, I'm going to lose some of my freedom. I want to keep all my options open and so on. And the actual truth is that responsibility and sacrifice for those you love particularly your spouse and your children, leads to a higher kind of freedom. And it's, it's something that G.K. Chesterton called the dungeon of self. That, that this interdependence and this commitment of a real eternal marriage gives you a freedom from the dungeon of self. Wow, and that is really powerful because so often we're wrapped up in what we need and not so much in what the other person needs and and that takes goes through waves as well because sometimes we are we are more needy than the other person but we have to agree that's what we're going to do and make up for the other one so we're talking today on ours on the road about the third myth of marriage the independence myth and we're just beginning to scratch the surface and how damaging it can be and how there is a higher and better truth. So let's take a brief break and we'll be back to talk more about interdependence and how beautiful it is. Be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back talking about one of the myths of marriage, which is all about interdependence. Um, we have had a fun time going through our early marriage, and you might be doing the same wherever you are, um, in the car, cleaning the garage, uh, folding the laundry, whatever. Uh, it's good to think about it. Think back through your own marriage. And we know that we're talking to a lot of people who may not be married or who may have just gone through a divorce and so on. Some of these relationship things are good no matter what no matter what you're doing. No matter what relationship right. you're talking about. And I just want to say too, honey, that we um the reason the reason we've taken this approach, we, you know, you listeners know how often we're out speaking and interacting with families and marriage partners and so on and it's just become more and more apparent to us that part of the problem in a lot of marriages, people believe in things that just aren't true. 
and they're trying to maintain things that they ought to be giving up. And one of those things is independence and freedom, as they often define it, when the best thing they can do is be all in on the marriage and give up that, inter that independence for interdependence. And when you do, then it really makes sense. And, and by the way, just to back up a little bit on this whole series, um, it's so easy to go back and pick up on the first two myths that we've done in the past two weeks. You can do it in one of two ways. You can either go on BYU Radio and just click on the show and listen to it right online. Or, as many of you do, you can listen to it on a podcast. And as near as we can tell, every podcast app has ours on the road. And then you can listen to them just whenever you want. I want to read one more sub-myth. And boy, we run into this a lot lately. Needing marriage therapy is a weakness. Boy, wow. we run into people who say, oh, I'm okay, I don't need, I don't need help, I'm, I can deal with this myself. We are, we're having some tough times, but I don't need outside help, we can do it. And it's again, it's this, it's this wanting to be independent, wanting not to need anyone, wanting not to be vulnerable. And that can create so many problems. The truth is, getting professional help, or ecclesiastical help, or help from a good friend or mentor, when you need it, it's always a strength. That's what shows you're a strong person to be able to say, you know, our marriage is not as good as I wish it was right now. We've struggled, we're trying to figure it out, but we don't have all the answers. Who can we go to to get some help? That is not a weakness, that is a strength. Absolutely, and we have, um, we have known so many people that have been suffering with a marriage and once they start talking about it with someone else outside of their own circle and in their own family it is so helpful for them because they they see themselves through someone else's eyes according to what they're saying and it really is helpful there are so many great people who are trained to do this some people are able to do it just just with a good friend we know we know certain people who have you know, close friendships with other couples and they're open enough to say, we're struggling a little with this or that and how do you handle it? How do you do it? But again, our tendency, we're so prideful sometimes and we want this independence so much that we, we want to say, oh, we don't want to let anyone else know that we're struggling a little bit because that would be a weakness. That would be a vulnerability. We've got to present a, a good front a good image to the world and even if we're not doing too well in our marriage we've got to act like we are so everyone will think our marriage is great well all that does is put you in a position where you're never gonna go beyond your own resources it's just going to be the two of you you're never going to have a third party that can help and so often someone in the church or someone in a professional area that deals with marriage or a mentor that you've found, or just someone you admire. And sometimes just talking it through with another person changes the whole chemistry because there's a third party involved. You know, there's something else that's involved in this too, and that is, you know, if you are struggling, your children probably know. Yeah. And it's really good to talk, not through your problems with your children, but I think it gives kids fear and terror when they hear parents arguing all the time, like divorce, divorce, divorce is, you know, just in forward in their mind. And I think it is so helpful 
um, if you can really say this honestly, to say to the kids, you know, your dad and I agree on some things and we disagree on some things. Uh, but I, we have to, you have to know that we are committed to each other. That's you know, the key again. No matter what happens. And we, explain what that word means. If your kids are small, explain to them what commitment really means. And if your marriage is, if you see it as a, as a marriage for life or for time and all eternity, tell that to the kids and say, that doesn't mean we don't have disagreements. That doesn't mean we always get along. But no matter what, you need to know we are committed to each other. And boy, that makes kids feel a security that they can never find otherwise. And it reminds you that, yeah, whatever the problems are, you're going you're gonna to fight your way through them because you've made this commitment to interdependence. And that's a beautiful thing. We were recently talking to a couple who, um, they were both Italian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they were saying, we are yelling at each other all the time. We grew up in households where that's just what you did. And uh, so it's, it's the norm at our house. I mean, people just know that. But other, other marriages are so different. You know, they're so quiet and so private. But if you really don't like each other at some points in time, <laughs> and we have gone through those times, um, I think it's so important to just have a discussion with the kids, have a little family council, have as a formal time when you sit down and say, you know, we're disagreeing on some things, but one thing we don't disagree on is, is you kids or you as our child, and we want you to know we are committed to each other, even though we disagree. And this kind of gets into the third part of this new truth that we're trying to unveil as a replacement for the independence myth. Um, there's two parts to the truth. One is just acknowledge and admit and relish the fact that you're interdependent on each other. But the other part is the faith part. Acknowledging and understanding and admitting and relishing the fact that we're all so dependent on, on God, on, on the divine, on a power higher than us. And we don't ever hesitate to talk about that. A lot of times in our speaking, we're with people who are not religious and so on, but we find that when we talk about some higher power, some greater strength, some ultimate power that can help us, that's a bigger power than ourselves, people are on board with that. And polls show that too, that 95% of Americans believe in some kind of a higher power. And why not have that be a part of your marriage? You've all probably seen the little diagram, or if you haven't, you should think about it just in your own mind of a, of a triangle. Picture, picture this triangular relationship, and you as the husband are on one bottom corner of the triangle, and your wife is on the other bottom corner of the triangle, and then the top corner of the top of the triangle is God, is the divine. And it's interesting to think about that because we all want to move our two corners closer together. We want to become closer to our spouse and love each other more and pull toward that middle of that line along the bottom of the triangle. But of course, what's interesting is if you move up the line toward the higher partner, toward the divine, and your, your spouse does the same thing, you are getting closer and closer to each other as you're moving closer and closer to God. And it's just a fact, and I think we can be a little personal about this here, Linda, that 
that when, when you're thinking of a three-way partnership, marriage changes fundamentally from a two-way partnership. And how many times have we, in the words of Abraham Lincoln, gone to our knees because we had the overwhelming conviction we had nowhere else to go? Yes, yeah, so many times. And that's the time when you don't want to go to your knees, when you're mad at each other, yeah, angry. Yeah, that's not a, a natural impulse. And, uh, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've started out by saying, please help this darn person realize <laughs> this that stubborn he man. is wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> you I mean, start no. <laughs> thinking that, but you can't say that but in they, a prayer. <laughs> I know. Well, once you say it, you think, oh, wow. I mean, you know, really, we have to be realistic here. We both have issues. We're both right and we're both wrong. And we've got to come together on it. But it is so helpful. It calms the spirit and helps you think more logically. It really is an Well, we're, we'll part. just admit it. I mean, we've had times, and they stretch way back to the early days of our marriage, and they continue to this day when we're just at loggerheads on something, and we're just, you know, we're so anxious to... And there's all kinds of techniques you can use. We've talked on the show before about Rogerian technique, and when you're having a disagreement, you know, repeat what the other person said, and then you can make your next point and so on. And there's a lot of ways to try to sort things through, but we have had those times, and we're just happy to admit it, when we're just getting nowhere, and it's, and it's getting worse, and it's getting later, and we're more and more entrenched in our own position or our own hurt feelings or whatever it is. And summoning the courage, this is kind of an ultimate kind of courage, Linda, to, to get on your knees, even though that's, not what you feel like doing and sometimes it takes a while and sometimes you just kneel there and we've done this and neither of us can say much of anything but gradually you you try to tune in to the divine you try to be a little more humble you open your mouth you start to pray and there's something magical about prayer because you don't you don't talk with disrespect to God and you don't ask God to straighten out your partner you you end up asking for understanding you end up asking for empathy you end up trying to feel what the other person's feeling and we've had times when we've reversed our positions we've had times we get up from our knees and say you know you were you were totally right honey and you say no no you were totally right <laughs> <laughs> We've reversed our positions. <laughs> well, and it is it's a humbling process because you realize that you're both partly wrong. I mean, you really are partly right and partly wrong, and, and it is such a deal to try and figure that out. But you get this, this kind of peaceful feeling when you're talking to God, and, and somehow you're directed to some good answers. Ah, marriage is such an adventure, isn't it? Oh, boy. Wow. I I'll mean, say it is. Especially marrying. I mean, that is a verb. It really is. Um, we've said so many times how important that word is because we talk about parenting so much and just not enough yeah. about marriage. I'm glad you got to that, honey, because the, the real name of this little eight-part series that we're now on part three of is it's not the eight myths of marriage, it's the eight myths of marriaging. And we love that new word that we're trying to create because the problem with the word marriage is it's static, it's a noun, it's like, hey, we're married, you know. But marriaging is this progressive thing. We're getting better at it, like you said, Linda, like parenting, we're working at it. We're trying to learn new things. We're trying to understand each other better. Marriaging, it's a verb. 
And that's what we want to do is expose the things that don't work in marriaging and find the truths that really do work in marriaging. So if you missed the first two episodes in this series, just listen to them on byuradio.org or Or any podcast podcast. that you have. I just learned that. It's amazing. What a world we live in. You can things are at your fingertips no matter what in the car on the phone on the computer everywhere it is pretty amazing but we hope you'll think back a little bit and about your own marriage and what you can do to be more interdependent and just a quick tease next week we're going to talk about the perfection myth and the myth is i can find or create a perfect match for myself and then i will be happy folks that is a myth Think about that, and we'll see you again next time on Ayers on the Road. See you then.